Hello and welcome to this edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Um, As promised, today we have another special guest coming on the podcast. I've been trying to get them on probably since I started doing this last year, but you know we haven't really had the time to get them on, but now we finally do. Um, he is Latang Colt on Penguins Twitter. He is one of my very dear friends, Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Pretty good, Hunter. How about you? I'm not doing too, too bad. Um, I know it's uh, your favorite time of the year now as the trade deadline is about three and a half weeks away, and I know you wanted to get into a lot of um, trade possibilities and all that. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Jeff, um, who do you who do you see the Penguins um, getting at the deadline? Is it maybe Jason Zucker, Chris Kreider, or maybe someone else? Well, I try to follow the uh, insiders cl- as closely as I can, and uh, I-, I thought for the longest time that Jason Zucker was a foregone conclusion that he was the number one target, but the more I listen to people talk, uh, the less I believe that to be the case. I think he's the number two to the number one, which is uh, Chris Kreider. Uh, Josh Yoey came out with his piece about a week ago that talked about how Rutherford was willing to, you know, move uh, futures for a player to help them win now. And he talked about an apprehension to move the first round pick, but he didn't quite rule it out. And um, that piece was followed up by uh, Yoey and Gentili's podcast, uh, Penultimate, on The Athletic, which had them talking more about Kreider as the primary target. Yeah, I, I did see that. And then I saw, of course, Rob Rossi had his mailbag come out today. Apparently, it sounds like the asking price, the starting asking price might be a first-round pick for Chris Kreider. And, um, you know, it's not hard to see just how good of a fit he would be um, in a Penguin uniform considering the way he plays, um, just how fast he is. Um, you can pop mm-hmm. 30 goals in, in a full season if he had a full season on Sidney Crosby's No doubt. Yeah, and it's just – um, it would it would be I know it, there's some Penguins fans obviously have some bad memories with Chris Kreider since he's played in a lot of games against the Penguins but you know who cares if you get him because he's just he's a heck of a player though I know you're gonna have to give up a lot to get him um, the Rangers traded Kevin Hayes uh, last year to Winnipeg and they got actually a first round pick and um, another roster player in return for that so um, I think that that's the thing, maybe the starting point the Penguins would have to go to to get Chris Kreider, but it could be a little more because I think uh, Kreider is better um, than Kevin Hayes. I mean, I think it all depends on whether Rutherford truly believes that Kreider is the guy that pushes them over the top. Like he said, he's trying to win this year, so I'm sure he and his scouts have identified players that would give them the profile uh, that they would want. Um, in replacing Jake Gensel, I mean, I guess you have the luxury of being able to say, okay, well, you know, Jake's great at scoring for us, but if we want a player that's maybe a little bit tougher or something like that, uh, they have the luxury of being able to go out now with the LTIR space and uh, acquiring a player that fits their mold, and and perhaps Kreider does. Um, And I think, you know, if, if the price for Kreider is a first round pick consider too who's going to be in the bidding war for Kreider he's a rental um so I highly doubt he's going to go to any teams that are out of the playoff picture who are going to have the higher first round picks maybe he'll go to a team on the bubble maybe somebody like Minnesota if they decide not to trade Zucker and uh they try to make a playoff push um you know, I, I think a mid-round first would be more alluring to them, 
but I think the Penguins would probably have to part ways with a top prospect. And if Rutherford and his scouting team truly have zeroed in on Chris Kreider, you know, I I don't see a problem with uh, dealing a top prospect with him, even if it's Kalen Addison. Just because if you win the cup this year, four or five years down the road, it's going to be a lot harder to win the cup with Hornquist getting older and, and Tanev and Crosby and Malkin getting older. Um, and, you know, Kalen Addison will just be coming into the league. So the window, it's a little murky right now to see where Kalen Addison is going to be coming in. And even though he's a top prospect, if, it, if they were sure it's the right player that's going to help them, they think push them over that uh, plateau, then go for it. Yeah, that, that, you bring up an interesting point there, you know, with trading Kale Addison, who many people regard, of course, as the Penguins' um, top prospect, even though, you know, the system is not very deep and really never has been under the Crosby-Malkin era. Um, I was listening to the penultimate podcast from The Athletic yesterday, and Josh Yeo uh, basically said, it sounds like the Penguins really uh, wouldn't want to move uh, Kalen Addison. Uh, that's what, apparently what he's been uh, talking about. And he, the, he, Jim Rutherford always prefers to move picks over prospects. So I would be curious to see if he would want to move a player like that. I just I, – I, I think he would be willing to move a prospect, maybe like a Hallander sure. or like a Bjorkquist kind of player. But I think if you're moving Kalen Addison who – Apparently has you know opened a lot of eyes you know around like the league and you know organization and you know he could be ready uh, in a couple of years. Uh, I think it would have to be I think maybe for a a higher a placed player. I just don't know if Rutherford would part with him um, in a, in just a trade for Chris Kreider. What about Pauline? Would you trade Pauline? That's yeah. That's that's a good question too. I I think you could. That's more fifty fifty. I think for me. I just I think Kalen Addison would. Um, be more off limits than Pupulina is. I know Pupulina has been tearing it up lately um, with his. Junior, I think a couple um, people from Penguin Twitter have been posting his stats. You know he's been tearing it up lately, but um, I, I maybe have to think long and hard about that one. I think you know maybe if if, if if you get Kreider, you do it. But you know I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Rutherford would be he wouldn't want to move those uh, top two prospects and he would move basically anyone else. That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I saw a, a um, blog post by Ryan Wilson of Hockey Buzz, and he does a great job uh, breaking down, you know, the, the advanced stats, the analytics. He also does a great job at predicting yes. uh, prospect success based on, you know, previous examples. And he was pulling up, like, okay, John Sebastian Day in the Quebec Major Juniors uh, had an outstanding season, and so did Daniel Sprong. And we know what happened to both of those players. Neither of them panned out like they were supposed to. So if, Pauline has some perceived value that's higher than his actual value, and that helps you get Chris Kreider. Oh, by all means, do it. Because if Pauline ends up being a third-line player in the NHL two, three years down the road, and you still win the Stanley Cup this year, isn't it worth it? Yes. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think so. Yeah. No, I, I, def- right. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I just I think the main, just the main prospect I would have is mostly off limits um you can maybe move him in for like a really really b- great winger would probably be Kalen Addison uh Pauline is more it's more manageable um I don't really you know I, I'd move Hallander in, in, in most deals sure. you know Bjorkquist um uh Ligari, I think you know he's got, come up the ranks a little bit um you know, we still know what's happening with P.O. Joseph, who Josh Yeoy also said that the organization seems to really like. 
who they got in the Phil Kessel trade. So uh, Jim Rutherford has a lot of options for um, trading away prospects for um, um, a high-profile winger. Um, he seems to not really care if it's a rental or if it's a player with term. You, though usually he has targeted players with term, but you know it sounds like this year he really doesn't give a shit if um, if it's a rental. And sometimes he he actually said he even prefers it because he c- comes off the cap right away. The level of uh, specificity uh, that Rutherford used in the Yoey interview uh, was kind of intriguing to me because usually when he is that specific about what he wants or what he has his eye on, you know, he, he's locked in and, and history has shown that he's kind of in the advanced stages of talks. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him pull in somebody within a week's time. Now that's no guarantee. Things could fall apart and other teams could come in and, uh, you know, make the move on the player or the, the organization could decide to keep the player. But the fact that this interview came out that indicated that, you know, he's a lot closer than, than we think, as well as the fact that uh, he's getting his ducks in a row in the sense that he signed Pedersen to that uh, extension, it indicates that he's ready to make his move. No, no, absolutely. And, you know, he, he always tends to strike early at the deadline. You know, he's done the Carl Haglund trade. He did the Pedersen trade last year. Um, you know, the Bukestad-McCann trade, I think, came right after the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. That was very, very early February. Um, he just, sure. he loved, he loves to, um, he just loves to strike early. He doesn't usually like to wait all the way up until the deadline. And, um, honestly, I just wouldn't be surprised if it came as early as next week. Now that the team is back, um, they're getting more healthier. Um, we'll touch on the injury situation, uh, later. I think, um, you know, especially with the call-ups, now they have 13 forwards and those two that they called up are going to be out of the lineup when, uh, both of the forwards come back in Bukestad and Cahoon. So I feel like, um, like I said, I just I feel like by next week it could be coming um, just sooner, you know, rather than later. Right. The only thing that really concerns me in terms of getting the guy, sure, you have the prospects. You don't have a second round pick, but you do have the first round pick. And dealing the first round pick again, I have that mentality that okay, help the team now because sometimes prospects don't pan out. If you t- uh, look at all of the the people that the Penguins have drafted with their first round pick. And if you take a look at all the first-round picks that the Penguins have traded that have been late round that other teams have made the pick because they traded for Gimla or whoever, um, almost none of them have panned out. I mean, it's it's yeah. at the end of the first round, I think people are, are drafting based on, like, okay, this player is not a blue-chip prospect, but they've got the talent to really be a top-line winger or a top-line or top-pairing defender. Um and either they just they don't pan out, and, and so it's really worth the risk getting an impact player for a first round pick. I don't understand why it's not done more. Um, and that being said, you know the Penguins do not have a second round pick this draft. They uh, traded that to Vegas in the Mark Andre Fleury um, expansion draft. It wasn't truly a trade, but they gave away the second round pick in order to ensure that they took Fleury. Um, and I, I really don't think they have a lot of movable assets on the roster as it is because everybody is either an asset or doesn't really carry value. I mean, I, I think Alex Galchenyuk is probably going to be traded for peanuts because he hasn't produced and he's kind of an enigmatic player. Uh, and Bukestad hasn't shown an ability to stay healthy. Now, he's produced decent when he's played, but he really hasn't fit in. And are, is another uh, general manager really going to trust his health? 
I mean, yeah, that that's that's a big one too. I feel like he's been more likely to stay now, uh, now that he's getting healthy. And I mean, if you, if you really think about it, you know, when the team does get fully healthy, and you know, God forbid they actually do, you know, you can put that winger up there with Crosby and Jared McCann. You can leave the Cahoon, Malkin, Rust line alone. And then if your third line, I mean, of course you have the Aston Reese Tanev line, which is just unbelievable. Um, I always credit to you with the Tanev signing because you proved me wrong um, time and time again with that. So thank you. But um, you can have your third line be, you know, Dominic Simone, Nick Bukestad, and Patrick Hornquist. And, you know, that's a formidable forward lineup. I, I mean, you just have to get Bukestad back to producing and have him stay healthy. That, that's, I think, the big key for it. Okay, so here's my next question. If Bukestad does stay healthy, how's his confidence going to be? Because here's a guy who came to the Penguins. He was injured in the late last year. Uh, you know, he didn't. He played a number of games, but I think toward the playoffs he got injured. Um, I'm not sure if he played in the playoffs or not offhand. Um, and then this year, he of course has his core muscle injury, and I mean that's it's not like he's injury prone. It's just he's ridiculously unlucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he, definitely it, is, he, gotta, he did play he did ahead. play against the Islanders in the four game sweep. I think he was with um, Simone and Hornquist. I'd have to go double back and check to make sure that he was on that line. But if I remember correctly, I think that line was probably uh, their one of their that probably their best line of the playoffs with actually getting scoring chances. The Penguins just you know they, they couldn't score. But I mean, yeah, I do think that's a really good question. Is you know what? How is his confidence going to be? Can he get back to scoring? the way he used to because, you know, this is a player who came from Florida and he's had 20 goal seasons before, but it's just, it just hasn't been the right fit here. And I think they prioritized McCann in that deal. And then they just said, okay, we'll take Bukestad with him. And, you know, it looked like it was going to be starting to be good with for Bukestad, but then, you know, he's just, he's just battled so many injuries and, you know, with this hernia that he's had, that's kept him out with the past couple months. It's just, it's going to be hard for him to come just to come back and just produce. And I mean, I, I hope he does, you know, you stick him on the third line with Patrick Hornquist, who's had a rejuvenated season. Uh, he's just looked outstanding when he's healthy. And then Dominic Simone, who's um, probably one of the more crafty players on the team. I've said time and time again on this podcast, um, I think he gets a ridiculous amount of hate. Um, just, you know, sometimes it's just easy because he can't finish, but man, is he a great passer? He, he, I think they would work really good together. Oh, absolutely. And he comes at a very cheap price. Yes. Um, as far as Bukestad goes, though, I think when we traded for McCann and Bukestad, everybody was kind of hoping for like a second coming of Jordan Stahl with that height and that frame that, yeah. you know, how, how Jordan Stahl just so gracefully dangled players and weaved around players and, and used that reach uh, with precision. And, and I really, you know, last time Bukestad was playing, I don't recall seeing that much of that he, he plays a much smaller size than he actually is and, and that kind of concerned me i think when you when you see in the media that um Bugstad hasn't really fit in i kind of think that's part of it is that he's he's not comfortable and so being injured i'm i'm questioning how comfortable he's going to be it might just be better to send him somewhere else to you know let him find his confidence yeah, and that and that wouldn't shock me if Jim Rutherford did do that. You know, people talked a lot about you know him as a potential trade chip. Um, it just it just wouldn't shock me. And you know, another guy who just like we we've already mentioned it already this podcast who has not been a fit is Alex Galchenyuk. And you know, with that fully healthy lineup that you know I just mentioned, he's the odd man out. And I don't really think that they want any interest in having a 
player making four point nine million in their salary in, in salary in, in the box every night and just being a healthy scratch. So, um, and I think if Jim Rutherford had a deal in place already, he probably would have made it. Um, I just don't think so far that there is just a market out there for him just because he's been um, just so bad. And we all know it's not for lack of effort. He looks like he's trying his ass off out there. But um, oh, absolutely! He, it, it doesn't help that he gets four flying minutes with playing with, you know, Agazino and um, geez, I'm forgetting the other player who got called up. Um, the, uh, he starts with the A as well. I can't pronounce his last name, so it makes me look like a fool. But um, Angelo, yeah, Angelo, yeah, and, and he was playing, you know, with Blandisi before Lafferty, and you know, it's just it just hasn't been a fit here. And you know, you can honestly, right. you take you dump him for anything at this point because I think that's what. Um, yeah, I, I just think that's what Jim Rutherford is going to do before the deadline if, if a team will take him on. What I'm really curious about is, and this is just my speculation, I haven't seen anything confirmed. I know that I think uh, maybe there was a blog out there that might have wrote about this about a week ago. Anaheim, they're confirmed to be willing to take on salary uh, you know, for teams trying to unload it. Um, I wonder if Anaheim takes a shot at Alex Galchenyuk being you know, a former 30-goal scorer and uh, you know, still relatively young because they're kind of in the stages of a rebuild. And, and if they want to trade away their assets, if they're going to trade Silverberg, they just signed him to a, a uh, kind of rich deal, but he's kind of fulfilling his contract there. Um, or Kase or even Raquel, then they would need to replace that scoring somehow. And I think they, they would like a player like Galchenyuk who's younger and, you know, who's maybe had some struggles but could find his game uh, with lot, or a lot less pressure there. Yeah, I think so keep an eye on yeah, yeah, the Ducks are going to be an interesting team. Uh, we know they're not making the playoffs. They honestly should just uh, keep going with their retool, their little rebuild. Yeah, we did see um, the other day that Kashe, it sounds like, is available. They were willing to put him in the trade for Justin Falk, which I think they probably would have lost that trade because I don't think Justin Falk is what he used to be. But... I mean, yeah, I do think that Bob Murray, I mean, he's helped out the Penguins in the past. You know, he took on Eric Goodbranson from them earlier in the offseason. Uh, maybe, you know, he could maybe get the Penguins to entice the deal a little bit by maybe including something else, you know, just, you know, just sure. maybe has to say a thank you because we took on Eric Goodbranson from you when you guys were trying to put John Marino in the lineup when you had nine defensemen, which, you know, was very well, They gave Patterson for Strong, too. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was a steal and a half when a lot of people didn't really think it was, but... You know, with that five-year contract that he just oh, got. all the flack I took for liking that trade. Yeah, yeah, no, but I was, I was, I was, I was there with you. I, I didn't, I didn't, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine at the time. I just didn't think Pedersen would just turn out to be this good. But yeah, I think a team like the Ducks would be intriguing for Galchenyuk. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Ottawa. I, you know, they're close to the salary floor. Sure. Um, I know. And not, they've done it before. Look at what they did with Anthony Duclair. Yeah, they, t- they took him on, and now he's a prime candidate to potentially be moved at the deadline for a very, very good price. They could probably get a good haul for him, considering that the season he's had. Uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, um, he's going to probably get a good haul out of there, too. You know, For the longest time, I've wanted the Penguins to get him, but he's a center now, so he wouldn't really... Um, I don't think he plays um, wing, but... Yeah, I just I think the Penguins have a lot of options going into this deadline, and also in that article from Josh Yelly, apparently, you know Rutherford makes it sound like he may not acquire just one um, winger, but it also could be two. I just I, I wouldn't be shocked if well, he did, but I think it might be 
hope probably will be one top six winger though. Wouldn't surprise me if it was two. And I, I know insider, but I can confirm that because um, David Pagnota was on the NHL network the other night and he had a bunch of uh, trade tidbits. And while he didn't bring the penguins up online, I, uh, I tweeted out um, no pens news from at the fourth period, his uh, Twitter handle and, he actually tweeted at me, the Penguins are looking for a top six winger to replace Yensel, and they're looking for a depth forward. So, um, independently, that's that's been confirmed by David Pagnota. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. So then, you know, and especially if they trade Galchenyuk, that would be, you know, there would be some really big roster decisions if they acquire um, two wingers, considering that the lineup right now um, is, it, when healthy, it's it's very, the, the forward lineup is very daunting. It's probably one of the deepest um, group of forwards that we, we've seen, and then of course the defense. Sure. The defense, um, I think, it's when everyone's back. I, I think it's manageable. You know, I, you can hide Jack Johnson on the third pairing. It's ugh, what, what you can put Justin Schultz there. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about you know Justin Schultz a lot. I, I don't think that they're going to move him by the deadline. I, I, would I be surprised? I think a little bit. I think they're going to c- kind of want to keep him. As you know, kind of a rental, you know, for this playoff run. You get the last playoff run with him. See if he can play some good sheltered minutes on the third pairing because you're not going to touch the top four of Dumoulin, Latang, and Pedersen Marino. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I consider the source, of course, but uh, Eklund was talking about how, oh, you know, of course he says that the Penguins are going after Palmieri and Vertanen. And Vertanen is another prospect, uh, not prospect, he's a journeyman, I think 28 years old on an expiring contract. But he, I think Vertanen is a more offensive version of who Schultz is supposed to be. So, you know, I, I didn't hate the idea of bringing in Palmieri and Vertanen. Of course, I don't think it's really a real thing because, of course, Eklund. But uh, I thought that was intriguing if the Devils would uh, make that trade. I don't know how speedy I would consider Palmieri to be but uh, he certainly has that offensive touch the Penguins can use I have a better chance of being right than um, Eklund at this point but now I'm just yeah, it's just uh, there's always right. a running there's always a running uh, joke with um, Eklund oh absolutely because it's just uh, but I like this I like this train of thought if you're going to trade for Schultz or you're going to trade Schultz yeah. maybe find another yeah. uh, offensive defenseman that maybe produces a little bit better the first year Schultz was here he was incredible and then he just hasn't been able to find that level since. It's kind of that 2016-17 year was his best year. I thought you know he had 50 points. He actually was playing pretty good, mm-hmm. and then just been a slippery slope. You know, ever since those first two seasons when he was rewarded with that big contract. Um, I'm gonna laugh my ass off when a team gives him uh, some term this offseason because I can see it coming with uh, teams on um, July 1st. But um, uh, you know, Washington loves former Penns defensemen. Yeah, they did pay Matt Niskanen. And, and Brooks and Brooks Orpik. They paid Brooks Orpik. Oh my god! They paid. I still can't believe that. Quite a money, and they somehow got a Stanley Cup out of them and that whole team. So um, I just, I still. Oh, can't there's hope for Jack Johnson. Yeah, there. Yeah, if Jack, I, I hope Jack Johnson, you know, scores the game-winning goal in the Cup final for the Penguins, so I could, the Twitter can just melt down because I think that would be absolutely hysterical if that actually happened. Yes. Yeah, but probably the first time the couple have been in a cardboard box. <laughs> Jack Johnson takes it home. Yeah, that was that would be absolutely right. But yeah, just a, you know, quick injury update before we wrap things up. Justin Schultz, yeah, it does look like he's coming back tomorrow, so that'll be nice. Brian Dumoulin and 
Um, Dom, uh, Nick Bukestad, uh, I think they've been skating, but they did not skate today. They've been working off the ice, and then Dominic Cahoon has been skating, so he's working his way back too. So, um, so some decent news on the injury front. But uh, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been a long time coming, and um, I'll definitely have to have you on um, as the deadline gets closer because I think Jim is, you know, he's getting. He's always candid at this time of year, and I think he's getting a bit antsy to make a move. Oh, yeah. I would definitely expect maybe within the next week or two, well ahead of the deadline. Yeah, absolutely. That's just the way he works. So, um, you know, I have another episode coming tomorrow, probably after the game against Philadelphia. And then this is just a big weekend for the Penguins as they'll play the Capitals for the first time in D.C. on Super Bowl Sunday, 12.30 p.m. start. Um, So thank you guys so much for listening, and um, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.